Welcome Northern Lake County, Eastern Rockford County, McHenry County, and Southern Wisconsin to WSFI 88.5 FM's Deacon's Roundtable. I'm here again with Deacon Mike Alandi and then Deacon Richard Hudzik and Deacon, who are you? Dave Egan, that's right. Big fan of the Milwaukee Brewers, so he's, uh, uh, what are they, three and a half out right now? Two and a half. Two and a half out, so, well, they got the wild card. Two and a half out of what? Uh, getting a hat trick. Oh, okay. <laughs> And the Bears won. They, you know, it's been a rough time in our uh, our church last couple weeks. And as deacons and, and clerics, you know, we are certainly involved. And we're going to begin with a prayer, and we'll let Deacon Dave from Victory Lakes take care of that. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks, God, for being with us, helping us, guiding us. At this time, we really ask for some of your wisdom and understanding, and helping us to go the right direction, to live the life that you want us to live. Be with our families and our community as we debate what is the best thing to do to bring your kingdom into the world. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So obviously, this being WSFI and an affiliate of EWTN, we don't need to go into the, much of the details that, that have been going on the last couple of weeks, but I think we should start with what are some of the experiences that we've had in the last couple of weeks, even even in our role as deacons or, our, or our, in our ministries or as individual Catholic men. How, 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 how are you guys doing right now? I've had, we're, we're speaking in terms of the the Archbishop McCarrick and the Archbishop Vigano uh, letter and uh, that the, the release of the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report and, and the ongoing developments from that. I would say the experience I've had, I've had a few emails from, from parishioners expressing anger and disappointment, I, I think. Uh, I've been heartened to hear people say, my faith is strong. There's there's something that, that needs to be addressed and gosh darn it, or words to that effect, uh, thing needs to structurally needs to change. Uh, so there's a there's a concern and a level that's energetic, I, I guess you could say, uh, neutrally. But people's faith is strong, so it's on people's minds. How about you, Deacon Mike? Well, one of the things that's happened at church is uh, we were talking about the deaf and dumb gospel, and in the gospel it says Jesus gave him his voice back so he can speak. And one of the things we were saying in the homily is we need to speak up and speak our faith. And after I finished the homily, uh, our pastor also joined in and said, we really have to listen very much to what Jesus has to say to us during this time and speak out what those are to everybody else. Then, after Mass, a number of people approached me and said, you know what, we're very happy you're addressing the issue, you're talking about it. Because in other churches, we don't hear about it. We, so it's good, pass it around, talk about it. Well, well, in my community, this has not come up as an issue, at least to me directly. I can tell you via the outside world beyond the retirement community, there's been quite a few comments. A lot of it has actually sort of been negative and like, how can I support a church? If and when the conversation is directed to me, I said, well, you know, a church, there's two things, a church of a physical building and an organization, but really the church is the people. So saying that you're going to be walking this journey as even a purification aspect is important. And we need the whole community to be involved in this. It's not something that you can wash your hands off and just walk away. You know, you're part of the solution. You know, let me just add something to that. I, you know, I, I certainly agree that churches, you know, the mystical body of Christ, it's, it's not just 
uh, it's not only bishops and, and cardinals and the pope by a long stretch. Um, but one of the things that's, that struck me in the several conversations I've had about this is the degree to which, uh, put it politely, but uh, the degree to which people have not availed themselves of of gathering facts themselves. Uh, conversation this morning about the uh, the Archbishop uh, Vigano um, testimony, I think he called it. And I asked this woman if she'd read it. Oh, no, I, I, where do you get it? Um, and and that she's not alone in that, that conversation. And so I think one of the things that's that that needs to be done is to uh, is to go through the perhaps tedious work of, of identifying exactly what what is at issue because people too often are relying on on headlines or uh, you know the the lead-in for the uh, for, for the ten o'clock news and and using that as uh, the sum of, of what they know about the topic, and that's that doesn't do it. That's not going to work. So I, I'm very happy just to to know that at, at St. Raphael in Old Mill Creek, Illinois, uh, our pastor, Father Mike, has been very, I would say, aggressive, open. Um, he's had uh, adoration for this issue. He's had uh, he's had um, holy hours and special masses for it. He had. A, an event at our parish where he had a mass in the evening and afterwards he invited the parishioners to come and have an open discussion which we did for for well over an hour and uh, and he also has invited every a parish to come talk to him or myself or someone after mass and and I've had people walk up to me I I had uh, I had one walk up to me she said she said my husband's not here today because of all this and I said I'm sorry to hear that and he goes he's really upset and I said well we are too and he goes they should all be in jail I said amen <laughs> you know for the pedophiles and people that have done those type of things but uh, it is important as, as you say for people to go out and get the information and of course the information we don't have it all yet right there's investigations that have to be done there's um, legalises things that have to be going and I think what people are concerned about is will they ever see that information and and but I know this last past weekend I was with a, a, a group of people who were lay ministers and they had a faith for prayer at the end and each talked about where they were in their lives and boy people are hurting you know, you just can't put it. The pain. These are people that have they work for the church. They've led ministries for the church. RCIA ministers, and and some of them have said, you know, I don't know if I can come back from this. And 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 I'm sitting there in the trenches as a deacon, glad to be there and and to talk with these people, and and to be quite honest with you, and 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 Deacon Richard, you're our vicar. I feel the pain. I see the pain. I'm in the trenches. I'm hearing people not coming back. Are they hearing that in Rockford and Milwaukee and Chicago in the downtown diocese offices? Or are they kind of just doing the normal wait and see thing that, that they can do sometimes? Uh, you know, the, the, the Pope called for something in February. And people said, oh, it's February. And I said, well, that's actually pretty fast on the church time, <laughs> church timeline to get that many people to go go in. But but I think that's the fear. I think that's the fear is that, that you know, are people really being heard about how painful they are? At St. Raphael, for the first time since I've been there, we have zero people in RCIA this year. My pastor asked me about it. I said, until the McCarrick stuff goes through, who knows what's going to happen. But, you know, we're seeing an effect for this 
we have to embrace it, embrace the truth, and 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 work through it, as Dave said. But but are we? I mean, are we just talking about it? You know, I, I think that uh, the, the question of people being uh, fearful of of not being heard is another way of 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 stating that is is a, a lack of trust that. Um, there is a, a suspicion that, notwithstanding uh, the, the headlines, notwithstanding the, the facts about about what's transpiring, um, the the alienation to one degree or another is occurring. Um, you know, there's a we've been saying something. People will say, but but nobody nobody is going to hear us. Uh, there's this anticipated rejection of. Of, of, of being heard um, and when I from the beginning of the conversation with you I don't expect you to even hear me we've got a relationship problem I mean that's even apart from what I'm angry about um, if I don't even believe that you're going to hear me we've got another issue too to, to deal with and that is to to try to rebuild some trust um, and that it's it, it's very easy to say, but really hard to do. Sure, and it's certainly a very convoluted issue. Clericalism comes into it. I don't have to explain clericalism to a bunch of deacons, but it does exist, and 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 that has to be done as well. But you, you uh, may want to explain that we have listeners who may not be deacons. Go ahead. What Mike, do you, you mean by clericalism? I, fi I find that hard to believe. <laughs> We have listeners. That's what I have hard to believe. <laughs> Sometimes we think the Catholic faith is only for the for the priests, the religious, and they're the ones who are supposed to be holy, and they're the ones supposed to be doing all the right things. And the rest of the Christian faithful are simply watchers and followers. And but what we're really saying is, we are all followers of Christ, and we do have ministerial functions: the deacons, the priests, the religious. But everybody shares in the priesthood. So to answer part of your question, clericalism is using the abuse of the office to get a higher privilege in society or using that power unjustly. Sure. And, and there's not a group, whether you talk an secular or non-secular. That, that's not an issue. Where, no. there's, where, there, where there's a good old boy club and, and, or an inside track. And, and we hope that the church would be outside of that. But we know that God uses imperfect instruments. And, <laughs> and we have that in, as, as any organization does. There's one of the things that I wanted to bring up about the conversation that uh, sort of on the table, and that was the issue of trust. I think one of the other issues that's involved with that is the feeling of betrayal and that's a very legitimate feeling response to the alleged acts of what took place and I can very much understand that and having to get over that to try and rebuild the relationship that's also going to take time and this is not a new issue. I mean, there's been a number of instances. I mean, part of the reason the Dallas Charter was done because of this issue. And I think people probably put it behind them. Okay, that was the past, and now we're on a clean slate because everybody came, started, and reported what was going on. And as more of these reports are coming out, especially even though they are, for lack of better words, uh, old news in the, when these things occurred, People still feel betrayed because there wasn't this washing of coming clean about all the different incidents that took place. 
Now, isn't one of the failures of the day, uh, help me with this, because that's, I've heard this, but I've never taken the time to true. Isn't one of the weaknesses of the, of the Dallas Charter is that the bishops were outside of it? The bishops or the policemen not part, subject to some of the sanctions and things like that. Is that true? Or is that, yeah, the, the, okay. the Dallas Charter uh, 2002 is the church's good faith good action, good deed uh, response to uh, a lot of the exposés in, in Boston. And it was a way of instituting uh, for priests and deacons uh, the, the zero tolerance, uh, the, the one strike and you're out uh, policy. And it did not uh, include the bishops in that, uh, that regime. I think for a couple of reasons. My memory, and uh, subject to correction, but my memory from that era uh, was that uh, this was something new for the for the for the global church, and there was uh, a concern to uh, to make sure that what was uh, put together by the U.S. bishops would receive the uh, you know the the full blessing of of the Vatican. The bishops are. Um, subject to sanction, correction uh, by the Holy Father and not by their brother bishops. Uh, so they're uh, each bishop who is in charge of, a, of his own diocese or entity uh, is, is accountable not to other bishops but he's accountable to Rome. And so uh, I, I think part of the, the concern in 2002 is to not create a document that would overstep what was understood to be how the church ought to be functioning and that is that the bishops are going to be um, supervised directly by the Vatican uh, and so rather than sending something that's going to be vetoed uh, the bishops were not part of that uh, part of that Dallas Charter um, and so uh, that also goes so far as uh, saying that the Dallas Charter has been an amazing success right. particularly in the Archdiocese of Chicago right. where we have the Virtus uh, program that's mandatory for priests, deacons, lay people working with children, and all the like. We have mandated reporters. We have um, the one and done type of thing. But uh, the the the, the cardinal, whether it's Cardinal George or Cardinal Stupik, they they've all been quite transparent in saying there's an issue with this church. This person's off out until we understand what's going on right. and it's been very transparent and open and just the last couple of weeks we've had s several issues that have done that mm -hmm. that the, the the diocese was quite open about it right away and said said you know this parish this pastor's gone in fact some of the parishioners have complained that the pastors have gone but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is which is a whole other the, issue the, the regime presently is that if if there is a credible accusation of, of uh, child sexual misconduct or other kind of misconduct with regard to a child, if it's credible, uh, which is not to say it's proven, but if it could have happened, if it is not on its face uh, falsifiable, then until the facts are, are determined, that cleric is, uh, is relieved of his, of his duties and um, it's, you might say he's, uh, there's been a probable cause hearing for uh, that there's there's the beginnings of, of the machinery, but nobody has asserted or demonstrated that in fact the fact pattern is true. For the sake of erring on the side of protecting children, um, safety is exercised and the, and the cleric is removed. Um, and that's been the regime since 2002. 
and I'm sure Rockford or Milwaukee. Are well, they're, they're doing the same thing. They're yeah. doing the same thing. And that's uh, there are lay people on that uh, on that on that panel on, on the inquiry board, uh, and there's uh, there's usually a deacon on there as well. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think you know, so. We in that regard, you know, we as, as you said, David, you know, the Pennsylvania thing is over the last seven years. Since 2002, life has been much different. And and, 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 it, and rightly so. Yes, but it's 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 in a good place. It can always be better. But it the, the record from this 2002 is as a father of young children and, and and as an adult, I think has been been quite good. And as a deacon, I I you know I take care. Of, I'm never alone with with a child, even though uh, if even if I know the family and thing, you just don't do it. I won't meet for RCIA with just a woman in the parish or something like that because you just don't open those, those doors whether there's need to be or not and I think we're much more aware of that and that's just good for everyone for that yeah I mean part of it I think is with one of the great things about the Dallas Charter it created a safe space and it was small things that um, I think that I would never think about as far as like having a youth group I mean back in the days they were like uh, we used to split up there were like six or seven chaperones and we would put the kids in our cars and drive up to the ski place and meet there. And it was, you know, a very common thing to do at that point. And now I know better than to, to do that. Um, even though, you know, there would be no instances, but it's to avoid even the appearance of having a problem. Right. Right. And that's, uh, from the, the, the lawyering days, uh, lawyers are advised to not even have the appearance of impropriety. It's a violation of the canons of ethics to appear to be improper in terms of relationships with uh, with your clients. And that just goes uh, times 10 with, with respect to uh, clerics, people working with, with children. Don't even look like it's uh, there's something wrong. That in itself is is objectionable. And of course, for, the, for those that are working in major corporations in Lake County, that spills over into our professional lives even as employees we don't you know we're very careful about when we're in situations and and conversations and things that we have it's not just a a uh, i think one thing we need to talk about in the next break that this just isn't just a church issue it's a society issue at, 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 as well and and we need to be open to that so we are coming up on our first break we are so happy you're here with the deacons roundtable here on wsfi 88.5 please join us again after the break we'll be right back This is Wes Riccio from the Holy Family Catholic Bookstore. If you have a child, grandchild, or godchild being baptized, receiving their first Holy Communion, or being confirmed, remember that Holy Family has the area's largest selection of gifts, accessories, and supplies to make their special day more memorable. For baptism, we have cradle medals, baby Bibles, wall crosses, and nightlights. 
We have beautiful baptismal gowns and accessories, as well as invitations and cards. If you have a First Holy Communion in your family, we have a wide variety of mass books and gift sets, rosaries and medals. We have exquisite veils for the girls and ties for the boys, along with all of the necessary party supplies. Our suggestions for new confirmants include personal-sized Bibles, prayer books, and other spiritual readings that can follow them through their lifetime. And don't forget the godparents and sponsors. We have gifts and cards for them as well. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Hello, I'm Bill Wennington from the Church of St. Mary's and the Chicago Bulls. I, I believe Catholic Radio is important for all of us out there listening to help us through days when maybe our faith is being challenged by many different obstacles that are put in our way. And it's a chance to reflect and just think and hear stories from other people that maybe are going through the exact same issues that we are going through and how they have struggled and how they are getting through their problems today. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. back on WSFI 88.5 FM and at WSFICatholicRadio.org on your computer and wherever else you find us. We are glad you're here at the Deacon's Roundtable. We're talking with Deacon Michael Andy and De- Deacon Richard Hudzik and Deacon Dave Egan and myself, Deacon Greg Webster. And uh, we're talking about some of the issues that are going on in the church right now and how people are feeling. And uh, so, Dave, what, you wanted to, to make an important point. So, one of the things that we're talking about, the issues within the church of sexual abuse and I think it's a much greater issue than just the church I think it's actually an issue within society that we have to stop and ask the questions just as part of society Uh, on September 19th in the Washington Post there was this uh, story about this woman by the name of Amber uh, Wyatt and it's a relatively long story, but I would uh, invite you to look at it. And I'm not going to get all of the facts, but the gist of it was that at 16 years old, she was um, sexually assaulted by two athletes in this small town. I mean, Arlington, Texas, it's not that small, but there were, there were two athletes. And essentially, she got completely ostracized. And ended up having to leave the town she had a whole bunch of mental health issues after that experience and even today is still having some of the effects of it i I believe this took place in 2012 but i'm not 100 percent sure maybe a little bit earlier but the whole town literally ostracized her and made her life miserable and the cases never came up in court even though there was a positive DNA test for one of the boys. And so when you look at some of the comments that are going on with 
especially the women in our society of like Me Too and other things, and the credibility that they feel that they're attacked if they even mention the point that they were sexually assaulted. And they're afraid to speak up when they watch what has happened to other people. So the question sort of you have to ask is, what is going on in society that we feel it is okay to violate people, disrespect who they are as a person, and then put them through all this injustice when they already had the biggest violation in their life? And I think the church may be part of this issue. I mean, or that issue may be partly involved in some of the things that we're seeing with uh, McCarrick and other other people, but it's an issue that is sort of swept under the rug, especially in the male community. In the female community, it's a, it's a well-versed topic that people are not afraid to approach. I don't see very many males in society fighting to give women the voice to address this. You know, it, it, it's, it certainly is. We're not diminishing the issues that are in the church by any means, but I think the fear that I have is that the, you know, the, the, the issues stop at the church. And like you say, this is just indicative of, of a bigger issue in society. We need to address the whole society as a whole. But not even society, but how about families? I mean, how many pe- families have the don't go be alone with Uncle Ed or someone like that? Or I actually did an informal poll of some people, and I said, I said, how many people don't know of a, someone who's been abused in some regard? And I have to say, it was a random sample, but not statistically significant, like a phase three chemical stru- uh, drug trial. But, but uh, most everyone in the room said, "Yeah, we know someone who's been in this scenario." And, and you know, I know, I know a, a friend who, at one time in my life, where she was abused by her own father, which I, as a father, I find appalling. And 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 just how would you do that to your own child? But, but it's not an issue. That's unique in any segment of our society. Now, I believe it's it actually one be in four girls and one in six boys are abused. And it's something where it's it's we need to move on. We certainly we need to do everything we need to do in church, and and we we have, but there's no no sidestepping that. And and the guilty people need to be prosecuted. All that stuff is true, but we can't stop there. We have to look at our own families. We have to look in society and say, look. This is an issue, and it needs to stop. It needs to be addressed, and it needs to stop everywhere. It is. It is an absolute social justice issue of the inherent respect of the individuals. And what we don't want to do, and I, I, I'm not suggesting that you're suggesting it. And, and Greg, I heard a flavor of this in, in one of your comments: is that we don't want to make the problem so huge and unmanageable that we thereby uh, remove the focus from the topic of, of the church itself uh, misbehaving with regard to certain individuals that we're not we're not saying you know uh, you know the, the, the what about these other people you know we're, we're not so bad we got enough to take care of all by yourself and, and I know you're not suggesting no that I'm in, absolutely in this, in the, not by the far the stretch um, we don't want I think I just want to be really clear from my own perspective that that's that's not you know that's not what I'm hearing and that's that's certainly by no means a, a way out the other thing is, um, I think that you've touched on here is that what we're talking about is uh, needs to include making the the victims the 
the focus of, of what we're talking about in, in terms of they're the ones who've suffered. We may feel anger and disappointments and you know a variety of other negative emotions, but it wasn't me. And, and so we need, you know, always in this conversation to, you know. And I th- one of the things to hammer home your point is I have had conversations with people that, of instances that took place 30, 40 years ago, mm-hmm. and they can recant, or they can recall every single one of the details and how violated they felt. Well, I, 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 I second that. In, in, in these kinds of conversations, you think, wow, this, this was literally decades ago, and yet... They still live it the daily. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know, and I'd like to put on the table and for you guys to comment on is, is I'd like to separate this issue from McCarrick. I mean, certainly the pedophilia issue and everything else is needs to be dealt with and needs to be jail time and you bring in the civil authorities all that stuff i think what people have said about the mccarrick issue is how did this man become a cardinal when nork may have allegedly known about this and and done that so so uh, there's two different hot buttons here so, so a lot of people talk about the, the pedophilia issue and McCarrick. I think it's the pedophilia issue that, that is an issue that upsets people terribly. McCarrick upsets people for a whole different range no, of I reasons. Think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 of course, any corporation, we can understand McCarrick, you know, people rising up the ladder, the best, you know, as a money raiser, the best salesman gets away with a lot of stuff in, the, in those days. We also can't call this you know 2018 because it's really how did the world operate in the 70s and 80s and 90s and and corporations any corporation had you know operated certain ways for, for that and the church is only mirror of that but certainly we, we the, there and I, and I think it's it that's where the, the 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 bishops have credibility for acknowledging a lay-led investigation should be transparent saying who not you know Watergate? Who knew what when? Yeah, and, that's and, and the that uh, yeah the press release from the USCCB yesterday morning. The committee, uh, the executive committee of the USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, the national entity of uh, of the U.S. bishops, supported a full investigation of the situation surrounding Archbishop Theodore McCarrick, former cardinal, including his alleged assault on minors, priests, and seminarians, as well as any responses made to those allegations. So. So kudos, uh, you know, to to the USCCB Administrative Executive Committee. That yeah, let's get let's take a look at it. Are they able to just? This is because of an earlier comment you just made. Are they able to investigate him at this point? I think because I think, he is no longer. No, I, I think the investigation. Uh, I think that's that's always been there. Um, you can investigate anything you want to. I think the question had been canonically, and canon law is. You know, well, human-made, we can fix it. I think canonically is what, what sanctions can be imposed okay. having discovered. But didn't the guy in West Virginia need Francis's permission to investigate? Wasn't that the news story of the last week or so? I, or I, something? I, 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 so I whatever it is, I, it needs to happen. But in this age of social media and in in instant gratification, instant news, this isn't going to be done by Wednesday of next week. These things, these people have rights. Right. These people's rights have to be done. We are in the United States of America. We have to presume innocence until proven proven guilty in our own courts of law and that has to play out the way it plays out and it can never play out fast enough for any of us but the system has to do what the system does and and we have to respect that in some regards right. you want to re- you want to make sure you've got a process that's just not yeah. uh you know crowd 
crowd justice. Sure. Uh, so we don't need a Salem witch hunt, but we we definitely need the investigation, and right. and the bishops have called for that, and and we want to make sure that's the process that's going forward. But it it, it you know. Let's keep pushing it. <laughs> well, there's also something that you made a uh, comment earlier about you know, having the Pope call the uh, conference in, in February. If you look at just within our court systems also, it's not that different as far as the continuation and the process and the understanding. So, right, right. I mean, it's following really the same process. Right, yeah. And, you know... February Synod, that uh, gathering people from the four corners of the earth, that's that's not e- easily done uh, at the drop of a hat. So, um, yeah, if, if that, as Greg was suggesting, we, we want we want answers. We want them now. You know, I, I want I want it on my Twitter feed tonight uh, or right now. That's really that's no way to run a railroad, and that's not how it's being done. Very much so. You know, but getting back to, you know, the victims of that is something that we can do and should continue to do over time. I mean, those are the people that suffer the greatest hurt. Yeah. So, right. you know, so while that process is going on of trying to figure out exactly what took place, of the who, what, when, where, and how, why, it's we have the responsibility as a church, as a group, as a society to support those people that are hurting. Right. And, and there are there are resources allocated to that. Uh, you know, the archdiocese has victim assistance of a department that, that deals with the the victims. Uh, there's counseling. Uh, there's support groups. Uh, Catholic Charities uh, has a hand uh, in delivering uh, remedial services as well. So, so there is some help there. Um, we can always do more, but. Uh, I don't think the church has turned its back. But, Greg, again, as, as you're pointing out, we're, we don't want to mix apples and oranges. We're talking about, on the one hand, sexual abuse. Yeah, that's prosecutable. Uh, the other issue is uh, structural and organizational. How do people fly under the radar, and how did that happen? But, you know, even that's to me, is kind of interesting because I work for a corporation that's uh, as big as the Catholic Church. And I doubt the VP or the CEO, which Francis is for all practical purposes, knows the daily operations of each of his individual departments, right? So, so he, we we can't even assume that you know Rome knew too much of this stuff. But it's going to have to be a process where people investigate. It's going to have to be lay led for for credibility and or lay involved certainly um for credibility and but we need to to have the process in and you know we also have to remember that jesus reminds us that we have to pray for the people who did this mm-hmm. we have to pray for cardinal mccarrick and and for any other reason we need to is because jesus told us so that we need to include these people in our prayers certainly um you know, and, and one aspect, as, as I was telling you guys before, is that one of the things that all these situations, both in the news and, and in the church and in the secular world, is it's reminded me of the times in my life where I didn't live the gospel and the times in my life where I lived secular. Now, granted, I don't believe there's anything in there prosecutable, and I'm not challenging anyone in the air to, to, to actually <laughs> you know, do that investigation. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about that. <laughs> but, 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 you know, certainly, how, how many of us can throw, these, can throw too many stones in this regard? We've, we've all lived periods in our lives that, 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 well, I can't say we all have, but I know that in my life, you know, Jesus meets me where I am today, thank God, and Jesus is willing to, to have me 
repent and move on. And, and, and we want that for ourselves. But if we have that for ourselves, we have to want that for everybody. We you do, you know. do. But that's, that's, a, uh, that's a message that um, I may not, I don't want to hear right now. You know, I mean, just certainly the victims don't want to hear right now. R- right, and so, uh, but nevertheless, it's true. Um, grieving at a funeral, it's it's akin to grieving at people grieving at a funeral. They they don't want to hear the good news of the resurrection because it's so hard to believe. Um, so we have to be really sensitive to to making to speaking that truth in in these times of of, of trial and and doubts and trouble um so but but what you say is true you know it, it, it's true but uh not everybody's gonna hear it and it's a question of of your leadership skills i think your ministry skills to be able to to speak that truth but speak it in a way that can be understood and not be alienated i, I, I believe speaking the truth okay the way you pictured it is as important even as we go into the legalese and prosecute the law, when we say people are hurt, okay, I think we're spiritually hurt, and we need to take care of that at the very beginning. And we we're not we're not. It doesn't mean we're disregarding issues, but we need we need to use that, okay, because God made this happen. It, there's got to be something good for all of us, and we need we need to look at this particular scenario again that's happening to us that there is something good here okay uh, but let, let, me, let me ask you mike people are spiritually hurt by the actions of others shouldn't our faith be bigger than that i mean our faith should be focused on our actions and the action and jesus's ministry and how we are appealing to it and certainly the actions of others are real world, but if our focus is there, is it in the right spot? Uh, Jesus and Mary during their uh, Calvary and Passion were very silent. They were very quiet. They were taking everything in. I know the disciples ran away. Uh, we're, we're, I'm probably saying we shouldn't run away. We should stick around face the real issues, but at the same time focus on on our hurts and make ourselves stronger that way. Because you're right, we sin and then we get back. We fall from the horse and then we get back on the horse. We get hurt and then we get healed. And the way I look at it is if we, we go into this process, then we will be ready for the next one because there may be something else that will happen in the future that will again spiritually hurt us not just individually but as as a church and I think this is preparing us for the future there was one thing when I was in formation they always made a point that it was a triangle relationship with you you had your job the church and your family and those are your three priorities And one of the things that I did was actually modify it to a square. And I made it church, God, family, work. And with the rationalization that at some point, one of those can be a divide and get knocked out. But at any particular point, you had a strong triangle base that was able to support you 
until that other corner could actually come back into the situation. And to answer sort of your question, yes, it depends on your bases and how you do it and your priorities. You know, there are times like within like a family, for example, that you may have a fight with your spouse. And it may be a long, sort of drawn-out fight because of differences of opinions. But Except I was right and you were wrong. Yes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can eventually put that square back into place or into that relationship back into place. Because you made the commitment. You made that covenant relationship. And I think that's also, at least on my end, it's a covenant relationship with the church. And even though that I get a little bit PO, to say the least, at some of the actions that I see as the administrative aspect of the church, it is still my church. And if I leave it for any reason, I have lost my voice. And Peter say, to, you, to whom will we go, Lord? All right, we're coming up at our next break time, and uh, we've been talking about some very serious issues in the church, and after this segment, we're going to talk about what should we do next. And I think that's important that we, we, we talk about that. So please join us after these, uh, these uh, commercial announcements. I am Mark Schroth from the Salzman Library at the St. Francis de Sales Seminary. The Salzman Library is the seminary library, but is also the library for the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. So everybody is welcome. Our hours are Tuesdays and Thursdays, noon until 8, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, 10 until 4. We have a large collection of Catholic materials, including things on the sacraments, things on the saints, church history, biblical studies, philosophy, other faith traditions, as well as a ever-expanding DVD and CD collection. So come in, get a card, we'll show you around. For more information, you can visit us at www.sfs.edu slash Salzman, S-A-L-Z-M-A-N-N. We hope to see you there. Thank you very much. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. And we're back from the Deacons Roundtable at WSFI 88.5 on your FM dial here in Antioch, Illinois, and the uh, beautiful studios of Libertyville, Illinois, with Deacon Michael Andy and Deacon Richard Hudzik and Deacon David Egan and myself, Deacon Greg Webster. And we're talking about some of the issues in the church. We've talked about some of the hurt, some of the pain, some of the things are going on. So, Deacon Dave, what are we going to do about it? Well, 
there's a whole bunch of different things. The first thing I think that uh, you should sort of do is step down and stop and reflect about what is going on and pray about what should your response be to that. So, I mean, it's like stop, reflect, and then act. I think we're all called to some type of action because of this, and each person's action is going to be different. Um, but stopping to ask for help, guidance, and wisdom to deal with whatever issues present themselves to your mind, I think is an extremely important thing to do. It's not something that we can or even should sweep under the rug. It deserves our full, undivided attention, care, and understanding to try and address this problem. Thank you. Mike? I, th I think you need both reflection, prayer, individually and as a group. And I would think the logical group to do that would be the different ministries in the church. Since people know each other very well in their own ministry, it would be a great opportunity for people to share, okay, in a very positive way, in a very uplifting way, how they are reacting and acting and thinking about the many things that are happening today. So I, I would really recommend what you were saying, maybe Holy Hour uh, and group prayer. Deacon Richard. I have some thoughts I would like to share. A uh, couple, couple things. David, you, uh, you, you made uh, reference to what sounded to me like uh, theological reflection, to take the time to look, to, to assess, uh, to pray, and then to respond, which, in, in other words, is that old model of theological reflection, see, judge, act. Um, and as an individual responding to this, uh, this situation, um, C is that first step, and that is, is to really spend some time finding out what, what we're talking about. I, you know, we made mention earlier in the program, but we, we've got to, we, we got to know the facts, and we're too quick to jump over the C part. We want to judge right away. We want to make, you know, we want to make a decision. We're going to, now we're going to do something. It's that C part. It's that sitting. It's reflecting. It's being quiet. It's uh, being thoughtful to know what's going on. And only when you've got the facts and have done the reflection, only then can you make a judgment as to what what ought to be done. And only then, after you've done the judging, only then do you act. It's you know we we, we too often get get it backwards. We act and then we think, oh geez, I just made it worse. No, it's see, judge, act. So there's there's prayer in that. There's there's just good old, uh, you know, shoe leather, if you will, of, of digging out the facts, finding what's going on. That's the individual's response. But I think also if, if you're in any kind of position of, of leadership as a, as a minister or otherwise, um, something that came across just a couple of days ago was uh, a woman who's a, she's a law professor, uh, Georgetown University. She's also a member of the Focolari, so she's a, a single person who's made a promise of, of, uh, of chastity and celibacy as a, as a single person. She likens celibacy to being the fountain in the center of the town square. As Because she's celibate, 
she is available for people to come and to be with her. And so she offers herself in that regard. We're not, uh, nobody here at this table, we're all married so that, that everybody's called the chastity, but what we're each also called to is to be a, a companion for those who, who are hurt. So in our own way, we become available to others. We become that, as to use her image, that, uh, that, that fountain in the town square where people can sit and exchange ideas and, and, and share and think and talk and maybe grieve together, but at least provide that space. And I think that's the leader's role. I think that's the minister's role. And, and, and Greg, that's what I, I hear is going on and has been going on at St. Rayfield's to provide that venue, that forum for people just to come together. You're not solving problems, but you're acknowledging that problems are there. So that's that would be my take. And I, I guess one of the recommendations I would add to that is, uh, as he's always so wonderful, Bishop Barron, from, originally from Chicago, now they are an auxiliary bishop in Los Angeles, has been so wonderful in speaking out about this uh, as the this could be the perfect act of the evil one. But more importantly, he talks about how we need to return to the sacraments. This isn't a time to avoid the sacraments. This is the time that we need them more than ever. And we need to embrace the sacraments. And we certainly need to be priest, prophet, and king that we were baptized to be. Um, we certainly don't need to be like the deacons in, in the archdiocese, of, or the deacon in the archdiocese of, of Washington, who recently would not publicly went and, and, and aired that he would not be uh, a deacon at services when the archbishop was there. That's certainly not a role of a deacon. That's certainly not what we're called to do. We don't invite public scandal. Uh, you can comment that as the, as a vicar, but uh, you know. We're, we're all attuned to those things. You know, this is not a time for great anarchy. This is a time for us to follow our, follow the faith of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah grand, grandstanding is, is not what's called for. And, and going back to the, to the beginning of the show, is that it doesn't seem so much that, that the, it's not the faith that's at stake. It's, it's the anger of people who, from their own know-how, uh, the laity, Knowing how things can be run, ought to be run, they do it every day in their own uh, private affairs and their own businesses. There's an anger at at, uh, at mismanagement, um, and I think uh, you know one of Cardinal George's fa favorite lines when people would come up to him and say, "Cardinal, you got to do something about so and so," and Cardinal would say, "Hey, that's not my job. It's the job of the laity to uh, you know to." To transform the world, the, the clergy is there to assist and to, to sanctify and to pray, but ultimately, this is a job. Um, those those kinds of things are jobs for the laity, and it's it's encouraging to see the, the USCCB, uh, the administrative committee, calling for this lay-led uh, inquiry. People with with expertise in, in law enforcement investigation. Um, so that's people know how to do this stuff, um, and that's their gift. So. Wonderful. Let let people uh, do what do what they know how to do. Let me let me add also. You you mentioned, and I like that. Stop, reflect, and act. Let me let me add a little bit on the reflection part. And I take it from the components of lecture divina, where we 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 not just reflect mentally, okay, and begin to understand what the issues are happening, but there is also that portion of reflection where we where we set aside what we're thinking 
and, and, and rather emphasize our heart and say, let me listen now after all these fact-finding, after all these meditations. Let me sit down and listen to what Jesus wants to say. And, and thereby, until I feel that peace from the Holy Spirit, until I feel that wisdom from the Holy Spirit, then may act my, my action, or I may not be ready for my action, because my action, if it does issue from my reflection, should be one that that is of peace. That one, it, it should be one that that is constructive. It should be one that brings people together. And, and so I agree with you. Uh, the deacon who wouldn't go up to the altar because of the of the of the cardinal. No, that 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 I don't see the Holy Spirit at work here. It, it's got to be one of peace. One of Bringing the, the community ego at work. together, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so I think when we when we do our reflection, if it's still our ego, if it's our anger that's there, we're not done with our reflection. Right. If you want to judge the quality of an act, look at the look at the fruits that come from it. And if you're yeah. breeding division and anger, and mm-hmm. it's uh, that's a good sign that it's not of of the spirit. Uh, I, mean, I mean, one of the things. His, just to take the other side of this, his actions, uh, his reflections may have said, okay, I want to do that action. But would it have been more productive, just in general, of going to the cardinal and saying that, you know, I've reflected on this and I'm sorry, I cannot do this. And that, I think, would have been very respected by all the parties, much more so than to just you know publicly say this and even if you did it privately i'm sure that information would generally get around and people would stand up and say yes i mean one of the things that you said earlier richard is that you know the uh usccb having the lay board people have to realize that they're empowered they are the church and we as a church we're the ones that have to live out the gospel message in our lives and so we're the ones that are going to have to justify our actions to god and so if anything that is the absolute call you know for reflection and like and saying in the holy hours being in the church groups and saying that you know thanks god you know i love the situation you put me in here now help me get out of it because i love your church i love you and that that's sort of the tough part of uh actually acknowledging that you have a responsibility to also solve this problem but you know for a point of catechism here let's also remember that uh, the cleric who is doing the the sacrament is he can be a son of a gun it doesn't affect the sacrament because the person in the sacrament who is there is jesus christ not the man who is is there for doing that um certainly but also like you know want to also reach out to the people that are so mad they don't know what to do they're so mad that they just want to yell and to that i say yell yell at god that's a prayer and god can take it and if you don't think god can take it your god's not big enough so let's make him a little bigger in your life and go ahead and yell and scream and then listen listen for what god says back to you yeah yeah i think that listening and mike that's what uh what you're talking about is that this this process of discernment is not what what my big what brain tells me. Um, exactly. It's it, I mean it, it's a piece of uh, my it's my brain, but then it depends on how big your brain is. But ultimately, it's it's the infusion of the Holy Spirit that uh, uh, that's what you're you're listening to. You're trying to clear the ground. Uh, you know, 
deal with this anger, Greg, that you're, you're mentioning, and, but ultimately it's responding to the spirit leading you. Yeah, I think one of the things that, via the ethics, you know, you would call that the third level of conscience, it's like, what am I called to do? It's not what I want to do. But what is that evaluative, intuitive knowledge that I must do? And you get that only by stopping stopping and listening to the words of wisdom from God, for, for lack of better words. And it's how God made you, and that evaluative knowledge. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think that's what you're talking about, I think, and it's a yeah. very key. Uh, yeah, my, my, my sort of picture of that is whenever I do my mother and me as a child, when I do something that I shouldn't be doing, and my mother would warn me and explain to me, and I finally would understand what it is. But her heart is what keeps me going, because she takes me back, she embraces me, she hugs me and says, you're okay, Mike, you'll, you'll, you'll make it. You'll, you'll, you'll do better next time. And I think that's what we're saying today, okay? We need to hug each other, okay? And, and, and show the support to each other, because this is not gonna be I don't see this as the last time. There will be other challenges. Maybe not in the area of sexual abuse. Maybe there may be something else. But hopefully we become stronger as a community, as an ecclesia, as a church. And that, that community dimension, you know, I'm uh, somewhat of a, somewhat of a, of a loner. Um, but I, I never cease to be amazed at the wisdom that surfaces when I devote the time to, to being with others and listening to what they have to say and uh, you know like oh I, I I should have thought of that but but I don't with that uh, big brain of yours with you my big yeah with the big brain you'd, you'd think <laughs> I, I would have but and it's just it just we we need each other um, yes. and we're I'm just constantly mm. amazed I shouldn't be amazed because it happens all the time but in the in the group discernment um, there, there's, there's there's much to yeah. be gained there and we have to remember that our men in the Roman collars, the priests of our church, the vast, vast, vast majority of them are true ministers and servants of God that have given up their lives yes. to be with they us, are. to be there for us when, we, when we're happy, to be with us when we're sad. And they're there when we drive by, not even paying attention because we're doing something else, going to soccer. We need to pray for our priests. We need to thank our priests for their ministry. And we need to remember they're hurting too. Thank you for bringing that up. That is yes. bishops too. Yeah, the all right. Hardest working men in showbiz. <laughs> Going for that pay raise again, aren't you? No, but I think his point is so important that we're talking. I don't know the exact number of priests, bishops in the world, but the vast majority of them live out their vows and have true love for people, and they're hurting and they're rather po'd at their brothers for how dare you right. break these vows. And what you've done to the rest of us, right? And I would suspect that 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 bond of brotherhood is tighter amongst the presbyterate than it is amongst the deacons. Uh, we have our own families. Mm, that's that, correct. That, yeah. But a priest is 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 more alone than than you or I are. Well, we're winding down to the end of the show, and, and rather to rushing to the end of the prayer, let's walk in there at a nice slow pace and and remember those that are that are suffering in in North Carolina. Remember those that are suffering because of the Ill issues that we've talked about? Let us pray to Jesus to heal this church, heal our people, heal the people who have done these wrong things, yes, and heal, heal us and have us come back stronger and more faithful to your gospel. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.